Sometimes, the best stories in golf aren't found on tour. You'll find them at the back of the range. And here's your host, Ben Adelberg. And welcome to the back of the range. I am your host, Ben Adelberg. This is episode 299. Hope everyone is doing well this week. The conference championships are coming to a close, and that means that NCAA regionals are right around the corner. Lots of champions were crowned in the last few days. I was out in Hutchinson, Kansas for the Big 12 championships, saw Oklahoma defend their team title at Prairie Dunes, and Ludwig Aberg defended his individual title. It was cold, it was windy, a little rainy, but we got all 72 holes in. And as I said earlier, everyone is now looking towards regionals. That means I'm taking a little time off before heading out to Scottsdale for the national championships. Don't worry, I won't be that far out of pocket. Still going to have some episodes coming out. And I'll definitely be monitoring everything that happens at regionals for both the men and the women. My guest on this episode is Fred Biondi, one of the stars of the University of Florida men's golf team that just captured the SEC championship after defeating Vanderbilt in the match play final. Fred's rise in the amateur game is incredible. He has had a fantastic career in Gainesville. Fred is from Sao Paulo, Brazil. And some of you might be thinking, there, there aren't many great players that have come out of Brazil. Well, you're right. And Fred is actually the highest ranked amateur ever from Brazil. He's also the first Brazilian to ever compete for the international team at the Palmer Cup. We spoke about a few lucky breaks that he's received along the way that led him to play college golf and what the future looks like for him as he makes the eventual transition to the professional ranks. Now, this episode was recorded before the Gators headed to Sea Island to play in the SECs. And one of the last questions of the episode that I asked Fred was how are you going to beat Vanderbilt? Well, they did, and his answer to that question seemed rather prophetic. So, I'm sure you're all going to enjoy the way he answered that question. As always, follow the Back of the Range on social media. There's always new content popping up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You know where to find all of it. Go to the website, thebackoftherange.com. And before heading into this episode... Don't forget that our friends over at Imperial Sports have an entire collection of hats, shirts, and visors with the Back of the Range logo on them. They're for sale over at imperialsports.com. Now you can have one that shows your support of the Back of the Range. And if you use the coupon code BOTR15, you guessed it, you get 15% off. Now, there's a link right on the homepage of thebackoftherange.com. So head on over there to pick up some merch. Let's jump into this episode right now. Fred, welcome to the back of the range. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Ben? I'm good, man. Just, uh, you know, we're, we're inching closer to the postseason here in, in uh, the college golf schedule. I just got back from Terracotta, the, uh, the Terracotta Invitational in Naples, Florida. Um, before we talk about you, we got to talk about your teammate. Quentin DeBove won the Terracotta this year. He's a uh, uh, again, one of your fellow teammates at the University of Florida. I'm guessing you heard about this pretty darn quickly right after he won. Yeah, um, our whole team was pulling for him, and um, we couldn't really tell because he was one back. Some, I think JC texted on the group chat that he was one back with three to three to play, and there was a bunch of guys kind of in the mix. And uh, then we we're trying to watch, and then we get a video from one of our teammates there too of Q making a putt on the last and we had no idea was it for. And then, um, I think it was Gio and Gio said that yeah. he won. So yeah, it was a huge win for Q and he led for one hole, that whole tournament, I know. And the right one. And yeah. he, um, yeah, came in clutch and to win and a pretty good timing for us. Yeah. You, uh, we were just talking about earlier, you have a, you know, you're a senior at the university of Florida and you have one of these teams in in the landscape of college golf right now obviously playing very well 
and also a very deep team. And we will talk about that at a later date. But yeah, you're getting ready. You're actually leaving for SECs at uh, at Sea Island in just a few hours. So yeah, Quentin playing well just really adds into the mix. We'll talk about your team in a bit, but I uh, you know really love your story. Love how you've kind of grown in the game of golf. So let's take it back to the beginning. Let's let's get uh, you introduced properly to people that follow the back of the range. Uh, native of Sao Paulo, Brazil. When did you get into the game of golf? I first got into the game of golf when I was four. Um, my grandpa had a golf course himself. He had like a like a weekend house uh, a couple hours away from the city. And he built a 12-hole, I think, golf course with like a clubhouse, a range. And um, I have like flashbacks when I was little going out there with him and and just kind of hitting balls and sure and uh, messing around and I actually seen some videos of it. It's actually pretty pretty funny. But um, <laughs> you, you, when, you were not any sort uh, of a track man back then, were you? There's no uh, swing. Yeah, swing no, it was, okay, no. <laughs> I was wearing full soccer uniforms and just running around the golf course. Love but, it. Um, yeah. So he ended up selling the property. Um, I don't know, like not long after that, and. Um, I didn't play from like when I was four until I was seven and golf is not very big in Brazil is actually probably one of the smallest sports. Um, it's, it's very hard uh, access. There's not many golf courses. It's uh, it's very expensive and, sure. uh, people just don't know about it. And I used to play, um, once a week from the age of seven until I moved to the U S when I was almost 14, I used to only play on Wednesdays, uh, I had because my school went from eight to five and I couldn't, I didn't have time because the course would close. So Wednesdays, this, uh, my schedule was from eight to like one and I would leave with my brother and my cousin. Um, and by the way, my brother and my cousin did not play golf anymore and went there and used to hit balls and have a lesson for an hour and just messing around. But, um, I was always a very dedicated kid and I was always just kind of, stay there until dark and they would go out and go eat and whatever. And I would just stay there and hit balls and, and try to get better. And, um, but I, I wasn't very good. Um, I don't think, I mean, I would win tournaments in Brazil, but the competition is so little. So honestly, just kind of like lot, like, like people like lied to me saying I was good in a way. It made me believe because I was playing against almost no competition. So that kind of kept pushing me and inspiring me to like, be better but um yeah that's kind of how i went about it and when i was 14 or 15 i i decided to spend six months in the u.s uh i went to sports academy and i never came back i'm still here (laughs) so um so i love the so first of all your grandfather built builds this course at his house now was it open to the public or was it just his golf course no, it was his own private place. Um, he used to bring his friends out there. I sure. think I, I remember he had. I saw a book on it the other day, and um, it was like a twelve-hole golf course with like there's eighteen different tee boxes. Right. So like right. you could play like eighteen holes, but there's only twelve greens. And um, but no, it was only for him and his buddies. And um, but yeah, no, he actually took it pretty seriously. Like there's. I remember like having like a nice clubhouse there and stuff, but um, it doesn't exist anymore. So uh, when you started playing in Brazil in junior tournaments, and then you fast forward, I mean, that's your start competitively in the game. Is that what drew you into it? Or, I mean, I find it hard to believe that like, this is like one day a week. That's all you really play golf. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because, um, I used to live about 45 minutes from the golf course and um, I used to play every Wednesday. I leave school and go hit balls in the range and stuff. And then sometimes in the weekends, I'll be like, I asked my dad, of course I couldn't drive at the time. I'm like, I asked my dad, I'm like, Hey, can you drive me to the course or whatever? And he'd be like, no, like weekend is family time. Like you right. stay at home. Right. But now like, yeah, some weekends, maybe like when my grandpa was playing, like I was like, you pick me up and we go play, but like I'll play with like his friends. And, right. Um, I wasn't like, I didn't like practice like anything. Like I, I was just kind of like going out there and playing nine with him and eating at the, the, the restaurant there and then um, driving back home. Sure. But I would, I would enjoy 
that and I would enjoy the competition of it. I always did. Um, but I grew up playing way more soccer than I played golf. Um, and I remember telling friends like, hey, like I can't go to, I don't know, this birthday party on Wednesday because I have to practice or I can't go whatever because I have a golf tournament. And they're like, golf, like what is this? Right, right. But yeah, like right now, like here in the States, every kid, like, you know, at 11, 12, 13, that's really serious. There's always some sort of a t- junior tournament to play in and they have a coach and they have a, you know, they're they're at a country club or a practice facility. So you're basically that age and you're, I mean, you're kind of getting teased and picked on like, what is this golf thing? Like, well, you're going, what? What's golf? Yeah, no, for sure. Like there's, there's no golf in Brazil and, <laughs> and it's funny because like, um, I get to go back probably twice in a year. And all like every time I'm there, like I try to bring a couple of friends out and they have no idea, like no idea about anything. Like it's just kind of not a thing and it's growing slowly. Right. But, um, I'm, we're trying to do projects to grow and stuff, but it's just so hard because I mean, there's not many golf courses. I think there's like 200 golf courses in the whole country and just in Florida, there's like 2000. Yeah. So like it's, it's just, very different but that's got to be also a nice break when you go back home to brazil after being completely engrossed in this game which can be quite maddening at times and oh by the way you need to go to you know need to balance classwork and everything else that goes with it to go back and really not have that be in the forefront where you're around people that are just happy to see you and spend time with family and it's not about golf Yes, it's awesome. I love that. <laughs> I'm just going to unplug from the game for a while and just hang with yeah, hang with sure. hang with non golf people. That's actually something I need to start doing. Yeah, there's not many golf people down there. Nice. So you get to Florida, and this is obviously the start of your your rise in the game, and not just because you're in the states, but also because you get connected with. The Florida State Golf Association, you're a back-to-back state junior amateur champion. You uh, player of the year in 2016, or I'm sorry, junior player of the year in 2016. When did you kind of start finding your way? I know you mentioned you started going to the sports academy down here. What was that culture shock when you go from playing once a week with minimal competition and probably minimal uh, you know, practice facilities to starting at, at a sports-specific academy in florida that had to be just mind-blowing going to going that it was definitely different because um i was always so focused on on um like school in brazil school is very hard and stuff and i was just playing golf kind of fun um when i decided to move to the u.s it was for six months and used to like get better at golf but also like kind of learn english a little better sure Uh, my english wasn't very good and um the easiest way to do it is like where you don't have an option, you have to speak English. Sure. So I moved to the, this academy, and um, I don't know. I loved it. Like it was, um, it was in Port St. Lucie, Florida. It's a pretty small town, um, and one of the instructors there is, is still the guy that I work with in my swing, which is Matt Dijon, and is the same guy that uh, honestly just kind of changed me as a player. And um got there and i really enjoyed all these people because it was very kind of an international culture there was people from all over the place and met a lot of really nice friends and um enjoyed the practicing every day and stuff um the school part was a little hard at first just because of the english and the culture is very different but um i was a pretty outgoing guy like i kind of got along with everyone very well so um there wasn't many like there wasn't, that wasn't hard for me to, to kind of change and, and kind of adapt to this culture. But yeah, the practice was definitely different. Like I was had first time having, was getting like told what to do, like go chip <laughs> or go putt or right. no, this doesn't look right. Like maybe you should change this. You should change your grip. You should, should. but like, um, I kind of got it. A lot of things pretty fast and, um, whatever they told me to do, I, would, I did it a lot. So, um, I kind of like I, I got better really fast, and but I still like once I played, I still remember like when I first moved, like I played some like challenge or like like South Florida PG events, right? And I was like a mid seventy shooter, and uh, I realized that like 
no, it wasn't that good. Like I was getting <laughs> beat by a lot of people here when in Brazil I was winning with no skill set. So I go out there and I started getting better and then um, got better fast and kind of won some tournaments and kind of understood more about the game and um, told my parents I wanted to stay for a warrant year and told the school in Brazil because I was supposed to come back and then they, they, they were okay with it. Um, they were going to transfer the credits and then this year was ending and my dad was like, you gotta, you gotta go back. Like I can't lose you when you're 15. Uh, same as my mom. And, and then he kind of gave me an ultimatum. Like you gotta, you gotta do something special to stay there. Like you gotta make it worth it. And that's when I won my, the state junior and got like a bunch of like schools are recruiting me at that point. And then that's when I decided to stay. That's okay. So I'm taking a lot of things from that. First of all, you make this meteoric rise when you just get there. So you're really just an open book and you're open to any, yes. I mean, you're really open to any changes that they're, they're suggesting, which is, I mean, this could have gone many different ways. I mean, if you don't connect with, with Matt DeJohn or you don't connect at that school and, and do well, then there's a good chance that you're, junior golf career comes to a close you go back to brazil and there's no fred biondi yes for sure wow so what were the things that they really had you kind of work on at first that you think led to your quick descent and i'm, I'm asking so that parents of juniors and juniors listening right now are gonna think okay you know my son or my daughter or if they're the player themselves are thinking, okay, I'm 13, I'm 14. I'm kind of in this rut where I'm shooting a lot of 76, 78, 79, you know, maybe I'll, I'll shoot even par ones, but then I'm back and I shoot 80 and I'm kind of stuck in a rut. What were maybe some of the things that very quickly improved your game? Um, so first Matt and, um, and Mike, uh, which is the two structures that I kind of work with today. They ran the place and they have their own Academy now. Um, they kind of, told me how everything worked really like what can i do to shoot better than all these guys and first they explained to me um i was always like a perfectionist so i always try to do whatever they told me to do like i was trying to do to like perfection like i was out there like grinding on only like if they told me to hit that specific shot like i was there hitting that specific shot until they told me not to so um matt uh, especially kind of change a little bit, a couple things in my swing and, and um, un- make me understand like what, how can I control the ball flight in a way? So he's like, the only really things that you have to care about is having a good short game and, and knowing where the ball is going off the tee and with the irons. Right. Um, he's like, if you, if you get control that better than, than most people, you're going to do better than most people. So, he made me honestly, like, I play m- most of my junior golf and kids that know me from junior golf, like, seen it. Uh, I used to only hit punch shots everywhere. So, I used to never really do a full finish. Um, I used to only hit, like, like punch draws around the golf course. And I was like, I'll tell people I'll just chip around. And I wouldn't, like, hit the ball, like, crazy far. I was, I was like, a normal-sized kid. I would hit the ball normal, but um i used to hit a lot of fairies i hit it so straight and my short game was pretty good so uh especially in junior golf i think it's like if you're hitting the fairies there's plenty of wedges in a couple of reachable par fives you're gonna make birdies you're gonna shoot in the par you're gonna win tournaments so he, they just kind of explained to me like these things uh they kind of put a lot of importance on putting and stuff but mostly like understanding what i had to work on to like make sure like I knew where the ball was going because like at first I didn't I would just go out there right. and like if you told me when I first moved to the states like tell me to hit a draw I mean like I don't know eventually it's going to come out of the, the gun like I don't know like I can't control that but once they kind of under like explained to me like the ball flight uh laws and like how everything worked and made me work on these things like I understood what I had to do to to control it and kind of went from there. This is really great stuff. I'm just thinking about this. So you're hitting probably punch shots. So you're basically swinging it like 75, 80% on the majority of your, of your shots when you're in junior golf. Yes. I'm, I mean, like it's, it's kind of funny because every shot, like every picture I have for me hitting 
like a, a finish off. <laughs> everything shoulder it's to like, shoulder. I have both I have both of my arms straight, like the club is not passing it, like not wrapping around me. Right. Like, um and I used to just hit every single range ball I hit, it was like that. And I mean, um, like you worked because like I the face control was really good. Um, and that's one of the reasons why my my swing it is the way it is now. Like that's one of the reasons why like I have really good face control nowadays because of that. And yeah. um Yeah I wish I even started sooner. Yeah. It, it just just kinda I played with it in junior golf and that's what I believed and I didn't care what other people tell me. Um I would just like I I, I was hitting it um way better than I ever did because when I moved to the States, like it, it, it I wasn't that good and that helped me become better than most kids very fast. Well, and I think it <clears throat> I think it also applies even more as as technology becomes a more and more of a part of this game and people talk about ball speed and swing speed and launch angle and they get so in you know, I see it with a lot of juniors too. They get so in love with hitting the ball far or high or what's your swing speed, what's your ball speed, and they forget that, you know, after you hit that ball, you have to find it and hit it again. And if you're not finding yeah. it in the fairways, who cares what your ball speed and swing speed is? For sure. And and I mean, like, obviously, it's important. Like, nowadays, like, that's one of the things I work on. And, um, like, uh, hitting balls in the range, especially, like, with JC yesterday, like, trying to get the ball speed, like, and the club speed faster with the driver or whatever, because it helps. Like, I'm not Gordon Sargent. Like, I can't hit the ball 400 yards. But, like, if I can get... 20 more yards in the next year or whatever, like that was only going to help me. Um, and I think it's important too, but I think in junior golf, like, like size matters because there's a lot of like more developed kids, but if you're hitting it straighter, hitting more fairways, the courses are short. Yeah. So like you're going to make birdies if you're keeping the ball in play and, and, and knowing where the ball is going. Well, you mentioned JC. Let's talk about this guy, your head coach at Florida, JC Deacon. When did you first meet him? I'm guessing after winning a couple state junior titles and racking up junior tour wins, um, your name gets bounced around quite a bit. Probably had a lot of coaches looking at you. Florida is such a hotbed of junior golf. I mean, there's, there's, as we mentioned, there's the Florida Junior Tour. There's AJGA tournaments. There's, there's all sorts of opportunities for you to compete and get in front of college coaches. When did you first meet J.C. Deacon, and how did that relationship lead you to going to the University of Florida? I think the first time I met him, um, he was watching me at like one of the state juniors, um, and he always kind of like a couple invitations watched me a little bit too, and I remember coming to a, a unofficial visit when I was like fifteen. Um, and Mike Berger, which is one of the guys that also worked in the academy, was like a diehard Gator fan. Whole family came here and we drove up together from Port St. Lucie and I did a whole tour here. And it was my first visit. And I didn't know like what to expect. I was like kind of shy, like intimidated at the time. Like, sure. Showing all these like shiny things here at Florida, like like meeting all these new people. And it was awesome. JC was great from the start. Like like I just really liked how he was not just as a coach, but as a person too. Like, I think that, that, um, really matters to me, uh, and like to my family in general, like, uh, he's going to be my boss for four or five years. Um, so like, I want to be like, he needs to be like a good role model on and off the course. And I think he was great. Um, but then, um, I remember like I, the second time I won the, the state junior, there was a massive rain delay and I had quite a like, couple college coaches watching me at the time. And there was a rain delay and I had to play like four holes and I had like a, like a four or five stroke lead. And he was the only coach that stayed and stayed there for like three hours. I didn't even know where and came back to watch me and just little things like that. I felt like yeah. just, just showed how much he cared. Um, um, and I don't know, that's just kind of, uh, it was a little edge he had on the other guys for sure. Yeah, that's a big thing. I mean, like, like coaches coming out, they just want to see what you do on the golf course. But yeah, that's a that's a great story about he just kind of hung out because, yeah, sitting in a three or four hour rain delay when you have a lead that you're sitting on, that's, that's kind of nerve wracking too, especially for a junior. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So you not only have Coach Deacon there, but you and I have spoken about this guy, you know, in the in the USAM documentary, and then also just uh, I've seen him. Actually, just saw him at Terracotta. Um, <laughs> I can't I can't not laugh when I think about Dudley Hart, uh, assistant coach at Florida, twenty five year PJ Tour veteran. He is super intelligent when it comes to the game, but also his sense of humor. And you can't help but smile when you're around Dudley Hart. I mean, even I laugh all the time when I'm around him. Yeah, he's he's definitely a funny guy <laughs> um, and has helped me change my game and kind of take a, take a step on the better direction right now. Um, this last two years that he's been coaching at Florida has been amazing. Um can't even tell you how the amount of times and like things that he he uh, taught me and like all these little things that just kind of made me better and not just me every single guy across the lineup yeah and he he's just such a good person to be around be around and like get coached by like he knows so much um he's such a funny guy he's always i've never seen him in a bad mood yeah. i've never like if it's 6 a.m., we're in the facility, like, warming up, or it's a super late at night, like, give him a call. Like, he's always in such a good mood. Like, his family is amazing. Um, he's just kind of um, just mentored me through so much. I mean, he caddied for me at the uh, at the USM, at the US Open, and just little things. Like, if I have a doubt with anything in golf, outside golf, if it's anything related, um to like golf, I just, I just ask him and, um, I trust them a hundred percent and he has been so good with like kind of depressurizing everything at Florida. I felt like there's a lot of times that, um, we weren't doing uh, as good as we should. And there was a lot of pressure and he just kind of came here and was like, Hey guys, like we're going to work as hard as we can. We're at home. We're going to go play the tournament. We're going to do as best as we can. No matter if we win or we finish last place, we're going to come back home and we're going to work the same amount. So it was like he, he, the way we went about things and how he, how he did things here, he's just uh, world-class and he, he turned his program around and uh, I'm not afraid to say that. And he, he has been a, a big time addition for us for sure. Yeah. And also I, I'm guessing, you know, with other guys on the team that have professional aspirations as well, that's, he's not just a college coach, but he's also preparing you guys for things you're going to see when, when you turn professional for him to have his card, as long as he did for him to be that successful, he's probably giving you tons of information that you're going to need at the next level that you're probably not even thinking about yet. For sure. Even like little things like I'm coming, like my college career is ending right now. And it's kind of that time where there's club companies and, and people are interested on like like me and they're telling me to try some things and whatever. And he's the guy that I ask questions if I have to, like, he's the guy that I trust about with like when I was talking about agencies and when I was talking about club companies and even like on a golf course, how to deal with some scenarios. And he knows cause I, I trust him and yeah. um, he's really, he goes like really good about it. Yeah, that was that was one of the things I, I you know one of the things I taught the Masters is you know I know that uh, the amateurs you know Sam Bennett did well but the other amateurs didn't make the cut but one of the things that really took me is when I saw these guys at the pro level they were so laser focused even with all the noise and the crowds and all the the, the requests on their time they just seemed that you could tell there's a difference with their approach to. I mean, really kind of a, it's a business environment. You know, I know it's a, it's a sport, it's a game, but they were there like, okay, this is my job. I go, I go warm up, I go play, I do media, I do this, I do that. But man, I saw that laser focus that you're really just trying to get to, which, you know, you'll have to get to when you turn professional. Yeah, no, for sure. And he just kind of made us like Florida in general, like be more prepared when we go on the tournament, like from bringing like extra, like, like back reps for like, for like guys to get like better like more uh like warm in the morning or from giving better numbers the day before from numbers that we even think about and just kind of how he plays the golf course and um 
he just knows so much. So it's really good. Like when I'm when he's on a part three, and it's gonna happen multiple times this season. Like I go there and he tells me all these numbers and uh, I love it. He just <laughs> has all these things in his head and he tells me and I kind of like I I just I'm over this ball so more like like way more committed than I would be if he wasn't there. Yeah, and it's great. He has been a great addition and. Just by being around him, like when we're on a trip, like it's so much more fun. Like he's just laughing, making jokes all the time. I mean, that guy makes jokes out of everything. And <laughs> oh, he picks he, he he picks on me all the time when I see him. He likes to come up and yes. And also, the problem with him is that when he puts his sunglasses on and his hat real low, unless you're really sometimes I don't see him. He sneaks up on me. That he he does it quite a bit. Yeah, he does it a lot. Um, I want to talk about Bostic. So this is uh, you know, Mark Bostic uh, is your home course, and you have spent, gosh, I mean, what thousands of hours there. You probably can't even think of how many hours you spent there. But that is where you've really honed your craft as a as a uh, collegiate athlete. And as I said earlier, I really like providing solid information to juniors and parents of juniors that are kind of entering that recruiting process. They're trying to figure out where they're going to play college golf. And juniors can go on these trips and sometimes they'll base their decision on the practice facility and how flashy it, it you know, might be. Now, Bostic is not the flashiest facility in the country, but clearly has produced results, not just for your team, but for, you know, plenty of Gators that are on the PGA Tour right now. By way of advice to juniors, coming from someone that you've won multiple times in college, played on national teams, you played in a major, as you talked about, what's the most important thing to keep in mind when looking at a facility so that you can know that you can get as much as you can out of it? Yeah, it's, we talked about this all the time. Um, Bostic is is just like a semi-private golf course, and it's like an old Donner Ross. It's a, it's a really cool way out. Yeah. And... But, like, it's not a brand-new golf course. We don't have a brand-new facility. Like, it's it's great. Like, the, our facility is great. Like, it, it has everything you need to become better. Like, and you go to other schools, and, I mean, I heard there's so many other schools out there. Like, Tennessee, I heard it's awesome. Like, Auburn and Vandy, like, they have amazing facilities. And, like, that that's amazing. Like, that's great. But, like, what I tell JC and Dudley and, and whatever, like, like whenever the recruits come here, like the, the, the facility, like won't make you better. Like, yeah, like they can they have more things, but we have everything here to make you elite. Like there's, there's every lie you need. There's really fast greens, perfect golf balls, like hitting bays, everything. We have perfect weather all year round. And like Boston, it doesn't look that flashy, but we play tournaments over here and, and uh, there's like the, our home event, like single digits under par wins and yeah. even less than that. And it's, it's not that easy. And we, we get to play other golf courses around here, but I just think that boss is our, it's like, if I make the light here, it's literally 45 seconds away from where I live and a minute away. from <laughs> If I so make like, the light, I that's can, awesome. It's like it's super close. Um, it's it's perfect. Like um, the the range, like Dudley actually has helped a ton. Uh, he put a ton of like like money and effort into the back facility, and it's they repainted. They took a bunch of stuff out. We added some some new technology. I mean, we have a bunch of trackmans and, and stuff here, but yeah, um, I think that we have everything we need to become really good like a nice wedge range and uh, a big enough range for drivers and really good golf balls, like a lot of like turf to hit from and perfect weather. So I think that like, yeah, like if you're showing a 15 year old, all these like cool flashy things, like and shiny things, like they're going to love it. But like, I honestly don't think it's like a game changer. Like, I think it's really cool that programs are, are putting that much money into to golf and yeah of course i wish florida was like was like there was a bigger facility or whatever because bigger is better but um uh, i don't think i was going to be shooting any better than than i am now by by having a bigger facility or anything yeah. so it just comes down to yeah you can look at all that stuff and fall in love with it but 
ultimately you're the one that has to be there and has to has to kind of drag your butt there when you don't want to to get your work in to get better. Of course. Yeah. Now we talked about you know you're Brazilian. I I couldn't help but notice we have uh, Yushin Lin on the team. He's from China. Gio Manzoni's from Italy. Pagden's from England. Mm-hmm. Quentin's from France. Um, you're the only Brazilian. What about uh, yes. connecting with other Brazilians on campus? I mean, you I know you're around the guys a good majority of the time, but what's your cultural experience been? I mean, do you get any sort of taste of home even when you're in Gainesville, Florida? There's not that much um, in Gainesville. I mean, there, I have a couple Brazilian friends. Uh, there's actually a swimmer that's from Brazil here. Okay. Um, and my freshman year, there was a girl on the basketball team from Brazil. But, like, it's not very big and um, because there's no soccer. If there was man soccer, you would have been different. <laughs> like, there would be a lot of Brazilians here. Uh, like, my, my cousin played soccer for UCF, and uh, I got to meet a lot of his friends, and there's half of them are from Brazil. So, um, yeah, I get, I get a little taste of home, a couple friends here and there, um, but not really athletes um, from Brazil. A couple, but... As I tell other people, like the South American uh, culture is very similar. Um, talk to a lot about uh, with Mateo about it and stuff. And there's there's other Latin people here, and I think that's uh, um, the culture is very similar there too. Well, you mentioned Mateo, and uh, I definitely wanted to talk a little bit about the uh, the international team for the Palmer Cup. You made your debut. And actually, to at, at this moment, you're the only Brazilian that's ever played in the Palmer Cup. So uh, that's another first. And I think you're the mm-hmm. highest ranked amateur ever to come out of Brazil. So a lot of a lot of you know really carrying the flag, especially at uh, you know team competitions. Uh, you know, most people listening know a lot. You know, know a lot about Walker Cup. That's a U.S. versus GB and I uh, competition. Uh, Palmer Cup is U.S. versus an international squad. So you're you just have a wide variety of guys on that team and ladies. It's it's men and women. So I know Mateo was on that last team that was victorious. Aberg from Texas Tech. He's Swedish. He was on that team. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing there's just a lot of you know, and kind of similar to Presidents Cup. A lot of international pride. I'm assuming when you go into those kind of formats, does everyone band together pretty well to? To try and take down the Americans, which which you did obviously in Switzerland. It was it was great. I guess I got to meet a lot of people. Uh, there was so many so many characters out there. I mean, Aberg and Mateo are sneaky funny, aren't they? Yeah, I know Mateo. Mateo was my roommate, and I know Mateo since we're very young. I mean, since we're playing against each other in like some random South American country, and like. We we know each other for a while. We've been been friends for a while, and I roomed with him, and he was he's hilarious. Mateo was really funny <laughs> once you get to know him. Um, yeah, he he was great, and I mean there was a bunch of other guys too, and Cristo really funny. Like there's just so many guys out there, and he was he was great, and um, yeah, we, we bonded pretty well. I think everybody on the team was was pretty tight and had a lot of jokes going on, and uh, we had a lot of fun, and we played good golf. It, it was fun and. Um, it was in a, an amazing place. Geneva was, was definitely special and, um, with a pretty good group of guys and girls. So it was, it was great. Yeah. It's, uh, and, and having that, uh, international flavor on your team, I'm guess also really helps. I mean, you have such, you have a really dynamic team. I mean, you have a former number one ranked amateur in the world. That's Ricky Castillo played Walker cup in 2021. And then you have Yushin. <laughs> who's won two Asia Pacifics. He's played in two masters. You have a lot of guys on this team that have accomplished a lot on an individual level. And I'm guessing that pushes everyone that much harder because, you know, everyone wants to be the top dog on a team. So how does, how does coach Deacon and coach hard kind of keep the team dynamic moving smoothly at Florida when you have really a lot of, you have a lot of alphas on that team. You have a lot of guys that have accomplished a lot uh, individually. Yeah. I mean, probably the people think it's hard and stuff, but everybody here is so tight. I mean, Ricky's my roommate and has been my roommate for the last three years. And, uh, Yushin, I mean, great addition to the team and he's awesome. Uh, he has a, Yushin has a very different personality than, than other guys think. Like Yushin is, um, like a very laid back dude, 
and like he doesn't care like he's a perfect <laughs> like definition like i don't care so like he doesn't care like there's no like this alpha whatever like everybody we're all here trying to we're playing here for a reason and trying to win championships for florida and like when I won in Augusta, like Ricky and Yushin were so pumped. Like Yushin was so pumped. He yeah. came running from the club after signed the scorecard. And like just little things like that. Like we're yet like last night there's a bunch of guys at my house like playing poker and stuff. And we don't really care. We don't really talk about golf or this competition like when you're off the course. And yeah, it gets it gets pretty competitive, especially especially in like qualifying. Um, the guys are, are always trying to like you should me, Ricky, John, like Quentin, everybody's trying to win qualifying. Yeah. And even though like for example, like Ricky and, and whatever, like it's definitely gonna go to the tournament, like every single person tees off in qualifying and every single one of us wanna win. So it just pushes up uh, pushes us to uh to be better. Like last this weekend we, we played a match play event just in between us here and he's all friendly but we're all trying to beat each other like we don't care like we're all trying to beat each other and uh that competition between us and how deep our team is like makes pushes everyone to be better you're qualifying you know it's funny that you mentioned that because i'm thinking okay the tournaments and the, the the competition in college golf is great you know especially the sec you have so many great teams but you're qualifying at Bostic between you guys or match play stuff. That must be, I mean, gosh, you want to talk about watching some great golf, go get a ticket to that. Go hang out and watch a qualifier. How many times has someone made birdie on you on 18 to win or you make birdie on them? And that that celebration, that fun must rank right up with uh, playing in tournaments. I mean, when's the last time someone made made birdie on 18 to beat you? I think it was last. Me and Ricky came tied up on eighteen. Like it was me against him. Like I think he birdied. Seven. He ended up beating me. He birdied eighteen, I think, or <laughs> or something like that. But he like birdied the last three or something. But um, and then you guys yeah, go, like, and then you guys go home to the same place. Yeah, and then he 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 have a little bit of bragging rights when he's home for sure. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, I mean it's all all good spirits. But yeah, no, like you're feeling it coming like walking up to 18 in Boston and you kind of know that putt matters or that shot matters. Like, yeah, you're feeling it. Like it's not just, <laughs> even though like in the end of the day, like it's just qualifying. Oh but yeah. We, yeah. All, we all here treat qualifier like pretty seriously. And like, even like if you're not, if you're red shirting and stuff, like you're still playing and you're still trying to win and it, it just, it gets pretty good. And, Gets a lot of guys shooting pretty low uh, here, or we go to TPC or anywhere. So um, it's it's fun for sure. Yeah, no, that's got to be a lot of fun when you're and you're going against guys that you're going to see at at the next level, of course. Um, yes. So uh, PGA Tour U, you're currently ranked third. Um, you know, this wasn't even a thing when you started playing in college golf, or even when you're you know playing junior golf. This didn't even exist. So I'm, you know, at the time you're thinking, okay, you know, maybe I want to be a pro someday, but you really don't know how you're going to get there. Now there's this blueprint that comes out. Currently you're third. I mean, this is perfect timing heading into the postseason and into a national championship. And it's something that other people on your team are in. You know, Ricky's thinking about that. Yushin's thinking about that. Uh, I guess this kind of ties into, uh, you know, just keeping that nice competitive balance on the team. Do you look at those rankings and pay much attention to them? Or do you more focus on just, if if I play well, the team does well, and then ultimately that'll pay off for me in the end? Yeah, I mean, I'm not too caught up on the rankings. And um, even though they're everywhere, I mean, no, it's hard to avoid and text me like, Hey, like congrats for that. Hey, like whatever, like this win got you to whatever, but like, I'm not playing golf for like anyone. Like I know it sounds cocky and, and I'm promise you I'm not a cocky person or whatever, but I'm just, I'm playing for myself. So like I'm out there, like, and I'm, I'm trying to, it's like, like an internal competition. Like I'm trying to, be better like that's it that's all i'm out like i'm out there on the golf course trying to like like learn and become better and play good and that's it if i win a tournament like it's a bonus and 
by doing that, I think I just keep things like in the present and like not get ahead of myself because there's a lot of distractions right now and there's rankings, there's like sponsors, there's like family and like, even though they like don't want to put this pressure, but like my dad is out there texting me and like my dad, by the way, does not know anything about golf. So <laughs> oh, oh, this is, this like, is perfect. This is, this is like look at your rankings like every wednesday wagger comes out oh and I'm no like, oh you moved up and i'm like cool like i don't know like it's, like people ask me like so like what do you rank i'm like i don't i don't know like i don't i don't look at that stuff that deep and that deeply in the uh and i think it's awesome like don't get me wrong oh like, no I'm, no i i i I'm i know where you're coming from i know you're, you're like 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 I'm really like lucky to be in this position. Like I, I, I've done some really cool things that that um, they're great that I'll never forget, and they got me to this position right now. But me worrying about what other people are doing or how I'm playing, like I just got to worry about the shot in front of me and, and trying to become better when I'm practicing. Right. So if I do that, like yeah, in the end of the day, like everything will happen for a reason. Like, if I, and then they, like, if I finish well on PJ tour, you and I can get a corn fairy cart, like that's amazing. Like I get on a PJ tour, like that's amazing. And I'll cherish this forever. But I'm saying like, I'm not out here, like worrying about like points and under, like, I don't really understand that. Well, it's about the points. Um, I just kind of go out there and try to, play good that's all so when you won the augusta haskins tournament a few weeks ago and that got you an exemption into a 3m open pga tour event next summer how quickly did your dad realize (laughs) that that you'd be you'd be playing a pga tour event after i won and it was i think it was supposed to be the house part first and then he called me and i didn't even know they switched at 3m yet and he called me and i answered he's like congrats he's like so like why why did he change? I'm like, what are you talking about? Like I was just trying to understand everything. And he's like, Yeah, no, like it's like where, where where is this event? Like he's just trying to understand everything. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, like because I mean they they understand golf now because of me, but they like my dad doesn't play, my mom doesn't play, like right. they watch me and they and they love it. But they they don't follow the PJ tour, like where is the three M? Like they like I doubt they even know where Minnesota is. Okay. Well, that's so, like, <laughs> that's awesome. So like, I don't know. It's, it was, it was definitely cool. And he was like super proud and stuff, but, um, he, he has the more like business, like mindset to him. Like that's all he does. And he was, a. Uh, He's like, that's awesome. That will help you so much. I'm like, yeah, I just play good. Like, I'm happy. I played well. Right, exactly. You're like, yeah. He's <laughs> he's thinking about like nine months ahead, and you're just like, yeah, I, yeah, uh, no. yeah, I hit, I hit, I hit twelve fairways. That's what I'm thinking about. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. And it's good. I think it's a good mix. And yeah, and, uh, I think, and I don't think it's a right or a wrong. Like, I think there's players that work better the other way. It pushes them to be better. But I'm just not that way, and I think that if I kept thinking about rankings or, or whatever, like I think that would only make me worse. So, yeah. Well, um, no. What what you what you're doing is working for you, and it sounds like, especially with with Coach Deacon and 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 Coach uh, Dudley Hart, you're surrounding yourself with people that are have your best interests and are giving the information. Then you just prioritize and focus on executing shots. Like I love, like you mentioned to me at USAM, how you're like. I think you, yeah, it was during when we were speaking for the documentary, you mentioned something like, yeah, Dudley just gives me numbers and I just, that's what I do. He's just, he provides me with the data and I, I just execute. That's it. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm a very into this stuff too. Like I've tried to like understand and I've been, I've been talking to JC to understand like the numbers a little better and how weather and stuff affect ball, like golf, golf balls and stuff and how like just kind of trying to get a little edges everywhere. Yeah. Um, I think that the stuff ahead, like the rankings and the things that I can't control, like I can't control if I go to a tournament and I play so good and then a guy goes there and beats me. Like I can't, I can't control that. So I can only control what I do and what is in front of me. Like, so I just keep it that way. And uh, I think it's, that's the best way I can go about it. Awesome. Well, let me get you out of here. I know you're uh, you're getting ready to head out to SECs. Let's talk about that. Um, obviously, you were in a very competitive conference. 
You uh, lost to Vanderbilt in the finals last year. This is your last go at an SEC championship. I don't think the I think the last time the Gators won SECs, I believe it's 2010. I think I have that right. Vandy is a juggernaut. They won what five, six times this year. So Fred Biondi, how do you beat Vanderbilt this year? It's hard. Uh, <laughs> hey man, I mean it's the last question of the episode. I, it's the last question of the episode. I'm going to give you a tough one. How do you? How do you? Well, I could ask this one anyone. How do you beat Vanderbilt? Uh, it's hard. I mean, they're. I mean, what they're ranked number one or something like that. They're really good. I mean, I I admire that program a lot, uh, and everyone at Florida does, uh, JC included. Like, um, just the way they go about things and and uh, how good they. They even make their players like in the end, like they can, they they get some recruits and they just become studs by the end of the four years. And just, I, I think they do a really good job there, and uh, they have really good players. But like, they are not unbeatable. I think we have a great talented team at Florida too, and uh, but we have to play good. Like we can't go out there and and have an okay day and beat Vanderbilt. That's just not gonna work. Right. And. They have like a lot of really good players. I mean, Cole, Gordon. I mean, just all those guys are so good. So you gotta go out there and, and, and compete. We've been working our our butts off out here in Gainesville and uh, kind of preparing for moments like this. So uh, we are ready. Uh, we just gotta go out there and, and put it together as a team and stay calm, stay patient, and and uh, uh, kind of put it together and. And, and win but again it's, it's a tough job for sure but um but uh it's 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 right in front of us we just have to go and get it well fred i know we've been trying to get uh we've been trying to get this uh done i know it's uh crunch time towards the end of the season so i appreciate your time um all the best to you and the rest of the guys at uh, at and, um, in gainesville safe travels to sea island for the secs and uh, i'm sure i'll be seeing you later this year Appreciate you stopping by the back of the range. Thank you so much, Ben, for having me, and uh, really appreciate it. Special thanks to Fred Biondi for joining me on this episode here at the back of the range. Don't forget, follow along on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Every single episode is available at thebackoftherange.com. We'll see you next time here at the back of the range.